Welcome to the Phillies Nation podcast. This is Minicast, Monday Minicast number two. I am Tim Malcolm, the host of the podcast, also the editorial director of philliesnation.com. Go there today for all of your Phillies news, rumors, information, opinion, and much more. We do the Monday Minicast every two weeks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn. Go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. Give us a nice little write-up. Subscribe. Your five-star reviews really help us out a lot. You can find us also on Facebook at Phillies Nation. Facebook.com slash Phillies Nation, actually. We're on Twitter at Phillies Nation. Instagram at Phillies Nation underscore. Last week on the podcast, I ended by saying that maybe the Phillies could get a few wins against lesser opponents, the Reds and the Rays, two teams that were not going in the right direction. Hopefully the Phillies would take advantage of those teams. And boy, did they ever. Maybe the best week of Phillies baseball that we have seen in years. With the Phillies sweeping both the Reds and the Rays, going 6-0 on the week, and finishing with a record of 9-5, the fourth best record in the National League. The only teams that are better at this point are the Mets, the Pirates, and the Diamondbacks. 9-5 record also would be pretty darn good in the American League, where the only teams better than that record are the Angels, the Red Sox, and the Astros. They'd be tied with the Blue Jays at 9-5. The Phillies do have a 10.5% chance to make the playoffs, according to Fangraph's playoff odds, which don't really change much in the first few, really the first few months of the season. And they're based more off of projections than they are about how your team is doing. But that's good to see that the Phillies have at least some odds to make the playoffs. They would be 10th in the National League, according to playoff odds. But look, they're playing good. They're playing really good. And yes, they played some weaker competition, beating the Reds and the Rays, who are both miserably bad. The Reds, 2-13 and on the season. The Rays have now dropped to 3-12. and These are the two worst teams in baseball. So the Phillies helping out that cause. But before you say, well, they haven't beaten good teams, they're going to have to play a lot of good teams, that's true. That is absolutely true. The rest of the season, winning percentage that the Phillies have to face is 468, which is actually quite low. Now, there are some caveats there. For one, teams start out typically the way that they might not finish this year. You know, so the Mets are 12 and 2. You don't expect the Mets to be 12 and 2. That actually helps the Phillies strength of schedule the rest of the way. Because if it's 468, the Mets will not finish the year with an 857 winning percentage. That should go down. That percentage should go down itself too. Same thing with the Pirates, who are starting 11 and 4. Pirates probably will not have a 733 winning percentage all season. That will help. There are some things though that hurt. The Reds are 133 winning percentage right now. The Marlins have a 267 winning percentage, which is probably not sustainable, even if they are really that bad. So there's a lot of things to sort out. But before you say, well, the Phillies, you know, they're going to have to play a lot of bad teams or a lot of good teams. It's going to be really tough, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it will be really tough. But this is how they do the schedule. And the Phillies have taken advantage of it by winning nine of their first 14. They did stumble against the Mets early. They stumbled against the Braves early. They could have won two of three in that series. It could have been swept in that series. First couple weeks of the season, 
always a lot of variables, always a lot of things that are not expected. So revel in the fact that they're 9-5 and five right now, and uh, hopefully they can pick up some more wins this coming week. We'll talk about that later. Some big games against some teams uh, that should figure more into the standings this year than the teams that we just faced. But the Phils have played really good baseball. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that they've come off, they've come off to a good start. The offense got going, obviously coming off of that big win against the Marlins where they scored 20 runs. They've continued that, pasting the Rays for, you know, they had, what, 10 runs on Sunday. They had a bunch of runs on Saturday. They're really playing well um, last couple games offensively. The defense has been pretty good, too. Aaron Altair making a great play against the Rays on Sunday. Odubel Herrera making some really fine plays in that extra inning game against the Reds. Scott Kingery unveiling his hose in that extra inning game, playing uh, starting in left field for the first time in his career. Good for him. Infield defense has been pretty good. There are mistakes. There are things that we've been seeing that we'd like to see them clean up. But again, early in the season, some guys are in different roles. It's interesting to see how it's all bearing out. But the Phillies have played decent defense. Their pitching, though, is what is really good. And this is astounding to me how good this pitching staff has been to start the year. Phillies currently have a 2.3 fan graph win above replacement in their pitching staff. 2.3 wins above replacement in fan graphs, their pitching staff. That's second, excuse me, third in baseball. Third in baseball. The only two teams that are above them in pitcher wins above replacement are the Boston Red Sox, who have Chris Sale and a number of other good pitchers, and the Houston Astros, who, by the way, are pretty good pitching themselves. So the Phillies with a 2.3 Fangraph pitcher war, which is third in baseball. Now, baseball reference war is different. They're going to give you different numbers. But the Phillies pitching staff has been quite good either way you slice it. And the guys who are leading the charge in that starting rotation, Aaron Nola is obviously having a nice season to start. He's only had 18.1 innings so far. <laughs> Maybe he should have had more in that first game, but we're getting past that now. We are past that now. 35th in Fangraph Pitcher War. He actually leads the team in re reference pitcher war. The two guys, though, above him in Fangraph War are Vince Velasquez, who's 14th in the uh, major leagues in pitcher war at 0.6, which is the same as Clayton Kershaw. I don't know. But Nick Pavetta is 8th in Fangraph Pitcher War, 0.8. Pavetta leads the major leagues in fielding independent percentage, which is your ERA if you take fielding out of it. So you're looking at strikeouts, you're looking at walks, you're looking at home runs, basically. Nick Pavetta, who has not given up a home run, who's given up very few walks, and who struck out a lot of players uh, to start the season, has a 1.32 FIP. He has 19 strikeouts in 16 and two-thirds innings. He looks really good. Vince Velasquez, he's got a 1.62 fielding, in, fielding independent percentage, which is third in the majors. 17 strikeouts and 15 and a third innings to just four walks. Velasquez, one of the best starts of his career, probably number two after the 16 strikeout performance in his last start against the Rays. He looked really good going deep into that one. Good to see. Phillies pitchers have gone deep, throwing 100 pitches or more, going into the seventh inning. It's been really nice to watch them do their work. Jake Arrieta still starting out a little slow. Gave up a couple runs. 
two earned in his first, excuse me, second start against the Rays. Hopefully he will continue to improve. The strikeouts will come. I don't think Nick Pavetta is probably going to have a 1.32 FIP all season, but it's good to see it start out this well. Hopefully he has a good season. And maybe the pitching staff is a strength for the Phillies this year. The relievers have been pretty good. I really like to see what Victor Arano is doing in five and a third innings. He has eight strikeouts and no walks. Edubre Ramos has been a nice bright spot. Seven and a third innings, nine strikeouts and three walks. And Hector Neris, he did blow a save, but he's kind of getting himself going, which is good. Luis Garcia has run into some trouble himself, but he hasn't been terribly bad. Adam Morgan and Hobie Milner have had their moments. They've been used, though, in the right spots. Morgan is just having a tough year to start. But I'm really excited to see what Victor Rano will do with the rest of the year. Yaxel Rios has been nice. Four strikeouts, two walks, a 2.08 ERA. Bullpen has been pretty decent, but the rotation has been great. Pavetta has been astounding. Nola has been himself. Arietta has been just exactly what we've needed to start, and hopefully he'll get better. And Velasquez has been really surprisingly good. Lively has been lively. Fifth starter, 5.87 ERA, 17 strikeouts. To three walks, which is great. He only has three walks on the year, but he's given up a ton of hits. He gave up a ton of hits against the Rays on Sunday. He gave up a ton of hits in his start before that against the Reds. I think nine of them in five and a third innings or so. So Lively gives up a lot of hits. Hopefully those hits don't turn into big flies. Luckily, he hasn't really done that, given up just two home runs so far. The Phillies, as a staff, don't give up a lot of home runs. Eight in total, which is tops in the National League, which is great. The rotation has only given up four home runs, one by Nola, one by Arietta, and two by Lively. So really good stuff for the Phillies pitchers. They've been really solid to start the year. It's been a really good way to begin the season because the starting rotation was considered to probably be the weakest part of the team going into the year. Even with Arietta, we just didn't know what to expect with Pavetta and Velasquez and the back end of the rotation with Lively or someone like Jake Thompson or someone like Zach Eflin or someone like Tom Eshelman coming up at some point. We didn't know what to expect, and so far they have been very good. Of course, Jared Eikhoff being hurt too was a thing. And the bullpen's going to get a boost with Tommy Hunter and Pat Neshek coming back. Neshek looks like he'll be back this week. Hunter will get a rehab start coming up. Or rehab, I should say, appearance coming up. He won't start. So what happens with the bullpen then? I'd imagine that... It's hard to say. I would imagine that if the Phillies wanted to, they could let Drew Hutchinson go down to AAA. I believe he'd probably have to be DFA'd. I don't have his options in front of me. But Hutchinson is also compatible as a long man, so maybe that's not the best idea. If you're looking just at sheer performance, who would be the most likely to go down? Maybe Jake Thompson, who has a... Uh, excuse me, Jake Thompson has been sent down. What am I saying? Um, I would probably look at... Um, I would probably maybe look at Yaxel Rios. Even though he's had a nice start to OEDRA, he's probably the wild card in this bullpen. He's the one who wasn't necessarily considered to be part of the bullpen, so maybe he goes down. I'd have to imagine that Victor Arano is not going to go down at this point. He's been too good to start his season. I don't think the Phillies would let those two lefties uh, be split up. I don't think they would let Adam Morgan or Hobie Milner go down to AAA. They like having two lefties in that bullpen and having that flexibility. So once Nishak comes back, I, I don't know. It's either going to be probably Hutchison or Yaxel Rios. Um, and then when Hunter comes back, then you really have a tough decision because does that mean 
it's either Rios or Hutchinson again, or maybe you do have to think about one of the lefties or Arano. I don't think that's going to be the case, so I would imagine it's Hutchinson and Rios. And then, of course, you got Mark Rutter Jr. When he comes back, whenever that happens, that, again, would create a problem. But look, the Phillies have a good problem. They have good relief pitching so far. They don't have to make any big moves at this point. They just have to find ways to get their guys into these situations. So a good start for the Phillies pitchers who are, what do you know, one of the best units in baseball right now. Good to see. As for the Phillies' offense, yeah, they started out a little bit light. They didn't get a lot of runs in those first couple games. They had some trouble against the Mets, obviously, but they came out swinging against the Marlins, of course, scoring 20 runs in that one game, and now against the Reds and the Rays, they've gotten a lot better with the bats. It also helps that they're playing in better climates right now against the Rays. They were under a dome, so they were able to kind of flex their muscles a bit more. Hopefully, as the weather warms up, the bats will continue to get hot. To start the year, we did see J.P. Crawford slumping. He basically had an OP, a weighted OPS that was under zero, which is very hard to do. <laughs> His average was uh, somewhere around, what, 079 or something like that, maybe one hit in 20-some plate appearances. Well, J.P. Crawford has picked it up. He now has six hits in 36 at-bats. He definitely picked it up in the last week. Still hitting at 167 with a 231 on base percentage. But he's starting to drive the ball. Two home runs in the last week, including his first Major League home run. And then his second was on Saturday. And boy, it was a blast. An absolute towering smash that went way back into the right field stands at Tropicana Field. Really good to see J.P. Crawford's bat getting going here. He's slugging 389, which is still pretty low, but the two home runs are really nice to see. He's also got a couple doubles now, so Crawford looks a little bit more comfortable in that lineup. Michael Franco's hot start is starting to cool down. He's now hitting 237 with a 295 on base percentage and 474 slug. He's doing the same thing he was doing last year, for the most part. Doesn't strike out a ton, but he also doesn't walk a ton. He basically relies on getting his ball in play and in, in into the field as base hits. Now, that's what happened in Sunday's game against the Rays. He snuck a single by the infield, which maybe could have been an error, but it was called a single that scored two runs. That was good to see. Franco's an interesting one. So while he's down to those averages that we're used to seeing from him, his ISO is at 237, which is really pretty decent really is his batting average of balls in play is 219 which is pretty low and it's not his career average usually you'll see Franco getting a BABIP of around 250 260 270 so if the BABIP is really low that means he's probably not getting the luck that he wants and the numbers that we're seeing should be a little bit better Franco also has a decreased strikeout rate from last year 13.6 he has an uh, increased walk rate from last year, 9.1. He only has 44 plate appearances, so we really can't take any of this into consideration. But one thing that we should look at that's very interesting about Franco is the fly ball rate. He was usually around the 30 percentile, or 30% in that area, uh, over the last couple years. This year, Michael Franco, 50% of the balls that he's hitting have been fly balls. His fly ball rate is 50% which is among the top 30 in baseball. He's dramatically improved the fly ball rate, if you want to call it improved. 
Obviously, we've heard a lot about Mikel Franco changing his swing, changing his swing plane, and that's what's happened here. He's getting a lot more fly balls, which should be good for a guy that's supposed to be a 30-40 to 40 home run threat if he's really at his best. So we'll see what happens. It's been a slow start to the year for a lot of guys. The weather has been part of that. It's been cold. It's been rainy. It's been damp. When the weather heats up, we're hoping that maybe Franco can get himself going even more. That fly ball rate will generate more home runs and maybe not warning track power. We'll talk about someone else in a second who's had that problem. So Franco showing a lot of the same things that he's been showing us for the last few years. But there are some indicators that maybe he'll be better when the weather heats up. So stay tuned. Of course, Carlos Santana is the other person I'm talking about with the fly ball rate that's pretty high and the luck that's pretty low. Carlos Santana has a fly ball rate of 54.3% among the top 30 in baseball. But his BABIP is only 136. It's one of the lowest in baseball, and that's really, really low. It has, of course, generated to him that 154 batting average, which is quite low. 254 on base percentage, which is low for him, and a 327 slugging percentage. Now, look, he struck out nine times but walked eight times. That's Carlos Santana-esque and very nice to see. He's hit two home runs, so again, Carlos Santana-esque. But a lot of the hits that he's supposed to get out there are not falling. And by looking at a lot of his fly balls, especially in the Tampa Bay series, we're wondering that maybe he's just not got enough power right now. Now, there are some things that could help. When it gets hot and he's playing in, let's say, Citizens Bank Park where home runs fly, he might be able to get those fly balls out of the park a little bit more. That warning track power becomes first and second row power. But we could also maybe say that Santana is just lacking power, that the power that he has had in his career is starting to reduce, and maybe he's not the guy he once was. If that's the case, then yeah, we could see some diminished batting average and slugging percentage this year. I do imagine, though, that 154 is going to go up. He's going to have a batting average in the 240s at least, and the slugging percentage is going to definitely go up as well. There's no way Carlos Santana is going to stick with the 327 all season. So keep your eye on him, but Maybe we should wait until the weather warms up because that's probably when it's going to get a little better for him. Now, one of the best fly ball hitters in baseball and another Philly, top 30, Reese Hoskins, of course, 59.4% of his balls hit into play are fly balls, and he's having a nice season, of course, with a 326 average, a 474 on base percentage, and a 581 slug, two home runs. He has five doubles, which is really great to see because he barely hit one in his opening many plate appearances in 2017. We're seeing uh, Reese Hoskins who can do a number of things with the bat. He even has three stolen bases, which is tied for the team lead and kind of crazy. Of course, the Phils are stealing a lot more bases than we figured this year, which is great to see. Their 12 stolen bases is second in the National League. Only the Nationals have stolen more bases. But Hoskins is doing really well. One thing to look at is his batting average of balls in play, which is at 400. That should come down a little bit, which means the average should come down a little bit too. But that's not terribly high for someone who we know really does have great plate discipline and a great approach at the plate. 11 walks to 12 strikeouts. Phenomenal work for Reese Hoskins. Another player with a really high bat and it will surely come down is Odubel Herrera, 410. 
Of course, he's hitting the ball really well to start the year. 327, 389, 429. He has 16 hits already this season, five doubles, no home runs. He's gotten a lot of singles, a lot of seeing eye singles, a lot of singles up the middle that he's battled uh, in at bats. But look, he's seeing a lot of pitches, which is great. Five walks to 10 strikeouts. I'll take that from Odubel Herrera. But just as a note, you'll probably see some numbers come down at some point. 327 is probably not how Odubel will stay this year, considering he has been mostly a 280 to 290 hitter most of his career. Maybe he could be a 300 guy, but even still, that bad bit will come down. So will the batting average. So will the gameplay. But a good start for Odubel nonetheless. Of course, some other players have not started so well. Aaron Altair, who's at an 083 average, although he hit that big home run on Sunday against the Rays, so hopefully that'll help him out. Also not starting too well, eh, the catchers. Jorge Alfaro, 219, 306, 313. You have to be pretty worried about the strikeouts. 16 of them to three walks, and two of those three walks have been intentional, so it's not really good for Jorge Alfaro. Yes, that's been the big worry, and I know the Phillies are more concerned about his defense and his catching and all of that. He's had some pass balls, not been great, but I would say right now catching is the least of the Phillies' worries. They did move on from Cameron Rupp. They really feel strong about Jorge, so they're going to give him every opportunity to be good with the team this year. Andrew Knapp is the other catcher. Hasn't started well either. 190 average, 292 on base, and a 190 slug. He has a couple hits, four of them. None of them have been extra base hits, so he's been who he is. He'll get better. It'll be fine. He's not getting a lot of starts, but it's okay. The catching will improve, I swear, but we will have to look at the strikeouts at Jorge Alfaro's numbers and be a little bit worried about him. Just keep that in mind. Of course, some other things about the Phillies' offense has been really interesting. They... Hit a lot of fly balls, as I said. Hoskins, Santana, Franco, all among the top 30 in fly ball rate in baseball. The Phillies have an overall fly ball rate of 41.7%. Yes, 41.7% of the hits that the Phillies put into play, whether they're outs or not, are fly balls. That is tops in baseball. Only the Minnesota Twins have more than 39% of a fly ball rate. That's pretty astounding. It's still early, and sample sizes will change. But there seems to be slightly enough games right now to make some generalizations about team performance. The Phillies are definitely trying to hit more fly balls. I think that seems to be true. They've changed their approach at the plate. They're trying to take more pitches and looking for balls that they can drive into the outfield. It has worked. It has worked. They're 9-5. and five. They're good. 41.7% fly ball rate is pretty remarkable. It will probably change at some point, maybe get a little lower, but their approach is very clear. They're trying to hit more balls in the air. Of course, they're also trying to go deeper in two counts. As we have heard, the Phillies have the best pitches per plate appearance in baseball, 4.23 pitches per plate appearance, well ahead of the Arizona Diamondbacks in second place at 4.1, which is actually a big gulf between them and Arizona. The Phillies have a 17.2% strikeout looking percentage, which is lowest in baseball. What does that mean? It means that the Phillies hitters are being taught to just swing. When there's two strikes, try to hit it. If it's in the zone, swing. Don't be caught looking at a third pitch strike. Try to swing, and you'll foul it off, hopefully, or you'll get what you need, and you'll drive it into the outfield. As a team, the Phillies swing at 28% of pitches outside the zone, which is pretty good, ninth in baseball. They also have a 40.6 ground ball percentage, which, if 
you have a high fly ball percentage, you'll probably have a lower grounder percentage. 26 in baseball. Even lower is their line drive percentage. 17.7%, 29th in baseball. Weird because teams have always been taught to hit line drives. Hit it on a line. Have a nice swing plane. Get the ball over the infielder head. Infielder's head, I should say. Well, the Phillies aren't doing that. They're hitting the ball in the air. Maybe they know the ball is a little bit different than it used to be. We should hit it more in the air. We'll get more home runs. We play in Citizens Bank Park. Let's get home runs. It'll be really interesting to see if this holds up for the Phillies into June and July. Because once the weather gets over 70 degrees in Citizens Bank Park and the humidity starts carrying... Oh my goodness, we could see a lot of home runs this summer. It'll be a lot of fun. Maybe Reese Hoskins will hit 40 to 50. Who knows? Either way, it sounds great. Yeah, the Phillies are looking pretty good to start the year. And I will say the offense has been a nice treat. I love seeing that Cesar Hernandez has 16 strikeouts to 13 walks. His ground ball rate, funny enough, is 7th in baseball, 61.8%. It's almost as if Phillies hitting coaches and whoever he's working with is saying, hey, don't swing the ball. Don't swing it in the air. Actually put it on the ground. You have speed. You get on base a lot. You're supposed to hit it on the ground. Be a leadoff hitter. And that's what, that's what Hernandez is doing. Everybody else is hitting it in the air. And that's fine. But Hernandez doesn't necessarily have big-time power. Although the home run he hit a couple days ago, maybe maybe it's different. I don't know. Maybe he does have big-time power. Point is, Hernandez is putting the ball on the ground. It's working for him. He's also walking, working for him. Hernandez is great. 275, 422, 431. Having an outstanding start to the year. Good to see him get regular playing time every single day. And it makes you wonder, should he be with the team going past this year? Well, maybe. It's possible. As good as he is, maybe it is worth it to keep Cesar Hernandez. Maybe there's a way you can fit Scott Kingery in somewhere else. Maybe he is the third baseman of the future. Maybe he's a shortstop of the future. Maybe he's an outfielder of the future. I don't know, but they're all playing well. By the way, Kingry's 280-315-540 in his 54 plate appearances. Kingry has some of the most plate appearances on the team. He's getting a lot of playing time. It's good to see, and it's worth it. 14 hits, seven of them doubles, two of them home runs. Kind of reminds me of Aaron Altair's big tear in 2000, I think 16, maybe 2015, when he was just hitting nothing but extra base hits. I think it was 15 and we were really excited about what he could do as a major leaguer going full-time kingry looks like the real deal he can also play good defense he's had a couple lapses out there but look the guy's playing like seven different positions i don't fault him at all he's played really good in most of them so the phillies look good offense looks good it'll probably change you'll see some numbers come down but you also see some, num- see some numbers come up so all in all good start fails Well, that's all I'm going to do for this Monday minicast. I want to keep it under a half an hour so you can get all of your Phillies information in a very bite-sized sort of way. A lot of stats in this one, but it's good to look at the stats after, you know, 14 games. Yeah, they mean something. No, they really don't. A little bit, I guess. Whatever. The point is, Phillies are hitting the ball in the air. That's great. Phillies are taking a lot of pitches. That's great. Phillies pitchers are striking out batters and not walking them. Really great. Phillies look good. Again, as I said earlier, they look good. Coming up, we have two big series, uh, teams that are playing a lot more, a lot better than the Reds and the Rays. The Phillies will play the Braves in a three-game set this week. Got to hear the tomahawk chop for another couple days. Come on, really? Well, the good news is, after this, there's only one more series in Atlanta, so only one more chance to hear the tomahawk chop this year. 
Aaronola goes at it on Monday against Julio Teron in a rematch of opening day. Hopefully, Nola will go more than six innings and because of performance, mostly. On Tuesday, it'll be Nick Pavetta uh, right now against Mike Fultonevich. And then on Wednesday, Vince Velasquez on the hill against Brandon McCarthy. Basically, rematch of opening weekend or opening week, I should say. All games at 735. Hopefully, the Phillies can get two out of three against a team that is playing pretty well themselves in the Atlanta Braves. And then the Phillies will come back home for a set against the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are playing outstanding baseball to start the year, mostly because Chris Dickerson is playing out of his mind. Uh, go look into his numbers. We'll see what happens in that one. Pirates are playing well. Maybe it'll be a tough series. Maybe we'll get two out of three. Maybe we'll lose two out of three. I don't know. But hopefully the Phillies can finish this week again with more wins and losses, keep themselves over 500, keep themselves in view of the Mets and whoever else is at the top of the National League East. And then we'll continue to go into May, you know, in that in that part of the season, feeling good about ourselves. And we'll see. Maybe the Phillies can build up some wins before the season. The schedule gets as tough as we think it will get because in June it does get probably pretty tough. The Cubs, the Nationals, the Yankees, all those teams. As for right now, though, 9-5 and five is a good start. Phillies look fun. Keep watching. It's been a fun season to start. For the Phillies Nation podcast, I'm Tim Malcolm. Check you out next week.